0: day to you. My name is Brett, and I'm the pastor of this people here. It's good to see all of you, but especially our first-time guests. Welcome. Glad to have you with us today, and thank you for making us your church home for an hour. Let me be the first to say in advance, Happy New Year to you. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about what it means to prepare ourselves for things new and realize that some things are gone. How God gives us information and perspectives so that we can be the best kind of people that go into the new year well. Now, before I go into the passage, I think it's important for us to at least talk about New Year's. New Year's is a significant day all around the world. Culturally, it's important for us. But spiritually speaking, there's nothing in the New Testament or the Old Testament that says that anything naturally significant happens between December 31st and then January 1st, a turnover. Um, We don't have any, any emphasis like that. Now, we do have an emphasis about the new year that is relegated for the Hebrews, but nothing about new year that is based on the Gregorian calendar. But culturally, it's important for us. Yet, ecclesiastically, not so much, so we don't have holidays that are spiritually based on the new year that starts January 1st. It's not historically done, nor is it biblically done. Now, that it is important is emphasized by the fact that I'm preaching on it today. But our staff works really, really hard during Christmas, and so we intentionally don't have anything for adults on New Year's because we give them some rest but we do have something for our kids junior high and senior high and that they go to Dave and Buster's blow it out there's a meeting here before they get there and people give their hearts to the Lord it's a safe environment for these kids and it builds memories about what God can do in sanctified environments and still have really really a lot of fun so we don't do anything for adults here but we do do something with respect to emphasizing the importance of the new year And that I preach on the Sunday last before the new year comes. And Pastor Jim preaches a prophetic word, Pastor Jim Critcher, a prophetic word about what the new year might hold on the first Sunday of the new year. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to see things end and what it means to see things begin. The title of the message is, Goodbye and Hello. Goodbye and Hello. Turn with me over to Exodus chapter 3, verses 17-17. Through 22. Exodus chapter 3, verses 17 through 22. The Lord is speaking to Moses here, and he says, So I said, I will bring you up out of the land of affliction of Egypt, to the land of the Canaanite and of the Hittite, and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will pay heed to, you, to what you say, and you and the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt, and you will say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. So now, please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go, except under compulsion. Verse 20. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it, and after that he will let you go. I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go you will not go empty-handed verse 22 but every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who who lives in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing and you will put them on your sons and daughters thus you shall plunder the Egyptians Exodus 12 verses 1 and 2 Exodus 12 verses 1 and 2 now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It shall be the first month of the new year to you. Lord, help us as we study your word today. Three things on these two passages about which I'd like to speak. One, the beginning of the end of things. Two, the end of things. And three, the beginning of things. God spoke to Moses and Aaron before He was about to deliver the people of Israel, and while they were in Egypt, that He was going to do something really special. He was going to bring them out by His mighty hand, and He was going to do it in in ways that were miraculous, unlike any other nation had been delivered from any other people group that had kept them in bondage. Most people groups who had found themselves in bondage to another nation had to lift up arms in order to make it happen, go to war against their masters but not the Israelites, God was going to be their warrior and he was going to deliver him them by his mighty hand. It was going to be amazing, unlike anything in history and unlike anything that would ever happen again. And he told them, this is going to be so powerful that I'm going to change the calendar for you. I don't want you to base your calendar and all of your celebrations, every one of your, your important days, on what Egypt has said should be your time frame. I want this to be, when you get delivered from the hand of the Egyptians, I want this to be the beginning of months for you. You start it on the day you walk out. Now, God said this while they were in Egypt. The Lord loves to prepare you for your deliverance. 2020, listen to me, you're going to hear a bunch of messages from a bunch of people all around the globe talking about how important 2020 is. And it is important, but I don't know if it's any more important than 2019 was, and I don't know that it's any more important than 2021 will be. I don't know. God's going to do some great stuff, but I don't want to place all of my eggs in that basket of 2020, and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen because eh, I was kind of more excited and had my emotions flowing rather than really hearing from God. I know you're going to hear some messages that talk about 2020 vision. That you're able to see different in 2020 because you're going to have 2020 vision. I'm not mocking it. I just want want to have the right perspective with respect to us not taking our cues from things that are happening in the world in order for us to understand what God is doing. I'd rather get my cues from God and then tell the world what is going to happen. What the Lord is going to do for them because he loves them. What he's going to do about us. What he's going to do for us rather than looking at the world. God said, I'm not letting you base anything of your natural timetable on Egypt anymore. This shall be the beginning of months for you. When you walk out of Egypt, you will start anew. Boy, I tell you, I, the time when I got born again, it was, it was the start of months for me. I don't base my calendar of, of, of how I should be or how I celebrate uh, on, on when I got born again in March of 1981. I don't. But it's significant to me. And I can't remember the exact date, but I know the time frame. It was a week before our spring break at Indiana University. And I was walking from class to my dorm, and a guy stopped me on the way, and <clears throat> he just asked me, You a Christian? he didn 't say hello he didn 't introduce himself. he just asked me that now it seemed a little confrontive to me, and so i didn 't respond with the most humble retort I, I, mine was depends on your definition and that was an invite for him, a beautiful on ramp that I gave him to give me for the next twenty minutes the proper definition of what it meant to be a christian now i 'd grown up in church i 'd made some some, some decisions for Jesus. I prayed prayers, but I was as far away from God as I had ever been when I was at Indiana University. And I'm not quite sure whether the prayers I prayed when I was younger were those that were just to relieve guilt rather than really dedicating my heart to Him. I knew my, my heart was sensitive toward Him, but the prayers that I prayed were not followed up by anybody. I had nobody, nobody discipling me. I didn't know how to read my Bible. I had one, but I didn't really know what it, what it said and, and, and how to apply it these aren't excuses. I'm just reporting to you. I was all wrong. Every time there's a lack in my life, I don't blame anybody for that. It's me. I'm wrong. I'm just giving you the lay of the land. When I was in Indiana, I could, be, I, I could have been no further away from God than I, than, than I was, and I was as far away as I had ever been. So when this man started talking to me about what it meant to get right with God, I was deeply convicted, 20 minutes of just Bible verse after verse after verse, and then his life was just so, so strong. I barely knew what to do with it because here was a young man. He was my age. He was in college. In fact, he was from Mississippi State, and, 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 and he was preaching the gospel on my campus. And I said, I recognize his accent, <laughs> and so I said, where are you from? He said, Mississippi I said, uh, why are you here? He said, well, I go to Mississippi State and I'm a part of a church and we decided we'd take an outreach on our spring break and come to you and preach the gospel here at Indiana University. I said, wait, 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 wait. You took your spring break uh, for which people usually use to go to, to Padre Island in the Gulf of Mexico or some other party spot. You decided to take your spring break and come north, north rather than south, north and preached to me he was 20 years old i was 20 i'd never seen a christian like him in my life i was deeply convicted walked home to my 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 dorm room just befuddled with how i needed to change my life he invited me to a meeting two nights later i went and that was one of the most significant moments in my life i met my new pastor i i i got on the road to getting right with god i got right with god within the next two or three days it was a phenomenal period in my life and it's landmark for me you always want to remember what god did because it helps you know what he will do and how he will do it god dynamited me into the kingdom it wasn't just a message two days after this meeting to which i went i met with the pastor and he began to do some bible study with me uh, with, a, with a tool that's much like our purple book today, the, inst- the, the instrument we use in order to disciple people, it's biblical foundations. We affectionately call it purple book because it's purple. Biblical foundations, really important. He, uh, he went through this with me, and, and after about 30 minutes, he realized I was dazed. I wasn't listening to a thing he said because I was thinking about everything I needed to give up. And he said, just out of the blue, you have one leg that's shorter than the other? I said, Yeah. But how'd you know that? I didn't walk with a noticeable limp. It was probably about a half inch shorter, and I knew that because I did triple jump in high school, messed my back up, I think, and I had to go get some x-rays to see what in the world was going on, and they said, you have one leg that's shorter than the other. I said, okay, I'll stop doing this triple jump thing. I said, but how'd you know? He said, "Uh, God wants to grow your leg out, so uh, I'm going to pray for you. Now, I grew up Baptist, and if if somebody said they're going to pray for you, that meant later. It didn't mean now. So I thought that was the end of the conversation. I got up to leave. He said, no, 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 sit down. We're going to pray for you right now. I said, oh. So I sat down. He said, lift your legs up. I lifted my legs up. And he was at the other side. Of, he was at the heel side of my feet. And he said, he said yep, one leg is short and the other kind of, like, kind of like that. And he was pushing, meaning pushing against my heels. And he said, I'm going to pray and God's going to grow your leg out. I said, Okay, I had no belief, no faith. And he started praying, and you could hear popping in my knee. I felt stretching in my back. It was so surprising to me. I literally said, Hey, ow! I said that. After 45 seconds, my legs were even. And he was not pulling. He was just holding my legs up with his palms like this, gently pushing against my heels to make sure my legs would not fall. I was stunned. He said, um, "He said, God, God did it." I said, yeah, "Yeah, God, God did it." He said, "Lift your hands now." Me, being a good Baptist and not being being accustomed to the charismatic and Pentecostal style of lifting your hands, I did what any good Baptist who had never lifted his hands before did. <laughs> I'm a professional now, but I had no idea why he asked me to lift my hands, and so I just lifted them. And he began to pray, I began to pray. I was blown away and blown into the kingdom. I remember the day. Don't remember the date, time frame. But for me, in my personal life, that was the beginning of months for me. How about you? When was the beginning of months for you? Some of you may have grown up in church all your life, got, st- got right when you were early early on, and your parents led you to the Lord, and you don't even remember. That's cool. But you have some cognizance of a beginning. And When you acquired faith to now serve God on your own rather than uh, kind of using your parents as leverage. Everybody has a beginning, and the beginning is super important. Here we have a beginning coming up, a new decade, a new year. And I, I'm convinced that God wants to do something in you different. But, but hear me, I am, I'm not so focused on January 1st yes it's culturally important but to me i'm not quite sure whether god looks at it any different than june 12th because every day is a new day for god to do something different and those who put all their eggs in the basket of january 21st excuse me (laughs) january 1st trying to figure out how in the world they can change their life for the better generally they fall off someplace in the middle of january early february Because they're looking for one thing at one time to fix them rather than an everyday experience with God. I'm begging you, whatever new looks like to you, take advantage of it and don't stop whatever God wants to start. The end of something, the beginning of the end of something. You're no longer going to be in bondage. I'm bringing you out. God is beginning the end of things here in the next couple of days for you so that you can move on let's talk about the end of things oh the people of Israel were in bondage and they were going to be delivered from bondage the people of Israel were in doubt and they were going to be delivered from doubt and the people of Israel were no longer going to be insignificant they were in bondage they were slaves in Egypt and God wanted to bring them out Exodus 13 verse 3 says, remember the day that I am bringing you out of Egypt, out of the house of poverty, those who had kept you in bondage. Remember what God has done for you. Why? Because it's important for your tomorrow. That if he did it yesterday, he'll do it again. He wants to not only deliver you, but keep you free from the things that would want to come and enslave you once again. He doesn't want you to ever enter back into that moment that the carnal nature with which, with which we all struggle is that which is to be overcome on a regular basis. That our freedom has been secured and it's our responsibility as good stewards of that freedom to make sure that we stay out of bondage. Don't go back in. Don't let the yoke of sin begin to be that which is placed on us and now it becomes our master once more. You can be in freedom. You can live in victory. You can be free from the, the wiles of the enemy. You don't have to. To live the way you have lived. Tomorrow can be a new day for you. Free from bondage. Paul talks about it in Romans. He says, if we died with Christ, we've been buried with him in baptism. Then we are raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. We get freedom from that. We are no longer slaves to sin, Romans 6. Verse 7, we are no longer slaves to sin if we have identified with, cross, with, with Christ in His cross, in His burial, and His resurrection. We are not slaves of sin any longer. We don't have to do what it says. We don't have to lean toward its temptations. We actually can have victory. And every day we need to apprehend that so that we can live at a high level in God and be a great witness to our community and give something to our children, next generation, with respect to inheritance rather than just money. Let's give them victory. Mom and dad did it at a high level. I can. We're free from bondage. We're free from doubt. How did God deliver these people? It says in Exodus 13, 20, he did it with his mighty right arm, his mighty hand. He delivered them with miracles, Uh, water turning to blood, gnats, the the sun growing dark for three days. Like, wow! These were things that were a plague to Egypt, but a sign to the Israelites. Your God is for you, and he will suspend all natural laws. He will temporarily cause those things which are in order to happen they are in sequence to occur to not occur for you so that you can come out we can believe god from miracles if he delivered us from stuff through a miracle he'll deliver us into stuff with miracles for some reason the israelites did not get that they lived in such a way as as if God had not done anything for them. They came out of Egypt into the the wilderness where the Lord tested them 10 times with respect to provision. And every time they failed, they forgot what he had done to deliver them and did not believe that he could do that again to bring them in or provide for them while they were coming in. God has done a miracle for you in the cross. He raised Jesus from the dead because Jesus did not deserve to die. He died, but he had done nothing worthy of death. Anybody who dies and is worthy of death stays dead. Meaning, if you have sinned, then the wages of sin is death. And when you die, you stay dead. That's, gener- that's a standard operating procedure. Some people did come back to life, but it was as a result of a human agent working on behalf of God to bring them out of that. But even when they did come back to life, they had to die again and stay dead. I look at that brother I think wow he was dead four days Jesus raised him from the dead he comes out and 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 he's sitting there thinking do I have to go through that again yep (laughs) okay (laughs) thank you for raising me it's great I gotta do it again I gotta do it again well this time make it less painful I don't want to go out sick lying in my bed Midnight, unconscious, wind up in glory. That's the way I want to go out, please. Ah. Mm. But Jesus was different. He had never sinned. Thus, (laughs) death couldn't hold him. And boy, he rose from the dead on his own by the Spirit. On his own by the Spirit. Wow. No human agent. He just got up by the Spirit. That's a miracle and that benefit is given to you and me thus what he has done in power to deliver us from please don't think he won't deliver us too with the same power romans 5 talks about it romans 8 talks about it that if he delivered you from don't you think that he'll use the same kind of power to deliver you into it's beautiful Delivered from doubt, believe him every day. Believe him every day. Believe him every day. Matthew 14 talks about Peter asking Jesus to come out on the water when Jesus was walking on the water. And he was walking. He was walking. Peter was walking. And then the waves came. And Peter began to doubt. And he began to sink. And the waves were so tumultuous that this man couldn't even swim his way back to the boat. Jesus had to take him by the hand and pull him up. He was drowning, Peter was. Jesus looked at him and said, why did you doubt? In other words, you were walking. I had provided the miracle for you to do something no other human being in history would do. I had provided the the ability to do that. What did the circumstances of waves being large have to do with that? What do the circumstances that come against you have to do with God's miraculous power? He's already given you the ability to walk. You're walking on water. You're living a new life. Don't doubt. Lastly, he's called us out of bondage, out of doubt, and out of insignificance. We are... We are called by his name. John 1, 12. To those who believe in him, he's given them the right to be called children of God. And it says in Deuteronomy 7 that the Lord did not choose you because you were the most important people, that you were the largest, that you had the most wealth, that you were the most powerful. He chose you while you were the smallest. And what God does is is he takes the insignificant and makes them significant and he does that because the insignificant realize there's no way i can become significant unless somebody helps me and when they get significant then they give god the glory for it because they realize where they were the problem with our fallen state is that on the way up We believe sometimes that we're the ones who are taking the steps and making all the effort in order to get where we need to be. And it's really the grace of God that is delivering us from insignificance to significance. Peter says it like this. You were once not not a people, but now you are the people of God. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. We have been chosen by Almighty God. Oh, it's so important for us to feel a new sense of, of significance in our own lives. And then lastly, we've got new beginnings. God wants to give the Israelites a sense of new life, that He wasn't just bringing them out, but He was bringing them in. And most of us have not been brought into the fullness of what we are created to do, we're on the way. Some of us have come into our promised land. And we are now trying to occupy it. We're trying to secure it. Others of us are still trying to come into our promised land of purpose. Now, you have come into the promised land with respect to the kingdom, that the kingdom is larger than just, say, heaven, which all of us who who love Jesus have a reservation for. We've got a place in glory. It's secure. But to come into kingdom reality on a regular basis, uh, it's important for you to realize that You've got to to do some things here in order to maintain your status, maintain your good standing. It's not that God is locking the door for your entrance into the kingdom here. Okay, let let, let me explain something to you. Jesus said this in the prayer uh, that he taught the disciples to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, how? As it is in heaven. So Jesus was not praying for you and me to get to heaven. That was was something that he was going to do all by his own efforts and securing us a spot. As a result of his death, we get access to glory after we die. Beautiful. We couldn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. He just gave it to us. Yet, this world is messed up and he cares about the world. He cares about the people in the world. And so, it's not just about uh, us securing our spot to get to glory after we die. It's about what happens here too. What in the world are we going to do to advance the kingdom of God here? His good will here. First, we pray, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here. Now, we are all citizens of the kingdom when we get born again. But some of us are not very good citizens. (laughs) Some of us just don't act right. Some of us need to be incarcerated. Ha! I'm talking about spiritual You know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that somebody needs to be put in jail. What I'm saying is we sometimes disobey. We don't do the right thing. We don't take full advantage of our kingdom citizenship. And as a result of not, we find ourselves looking at what others are doing, being on the outside of what kingdom looks like. I think this is what Jesus was referring to when he said this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Did not we do miracles? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? I will tell them plainly, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I don't think that passage is a reference to people not getting into heaven. I think it's a passage in reference to people not entering into the fullness of the kingdom here. He's already secured it for us, for, us, for us to enter. The door is open, but people stay outside because of their disobedience. They don't live in kingdom reality. They don't enter into the fullness of their promised land because of their disobedience. And as a result, they don't get all of God's blessing that has been secured for them. God wants us to come into the fullness of what it means to have a new life, new life. A new life, not just new life, but a new life, a new way of living, kingdom in its focus. Second Corinthians 5.17 says you are now new creations in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. We're called to live new because we are new. We're something that has never existed. I realize you feel like you're still the same human being you were before, but you're not. Don't let your feelings control how you how you identify yourself you're brand new you've been made all over again a new creation in christ new life there's also new identity as a result of this new life you're called differently as i said earlier in john chapter 1 verse 12 to those who believe he has given the right to be called the children of god it's a beautiful thing to have a new identity and these people that were the israelites they were called and identified as the people of God. Exodus 19 verse 5 says, I will, I will indeed call you to myself if you obey me. I will let you have my name. I will identify you as my own. You will be my chosen people. Exodus nineteen five. God is giving us a new way to identify ourselves so that when we wake up every day, We feel different about the world and we feel different about us. We are children of the king. We've got an identity that is royal in its nature. Don't let pride come in and now you begin to think you're better than anybody else. It was given to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It was given. Now live according to your gift. Live royally. Live with humility. Live as Christ lived on the planet. Be an ambassador for the God of heaven. Let this church be an embassy of his glory. Let's live the way we are supposed to live according to the gift that was purchased for us on the cross. New identity. And then lastly, a new walk. Deuteronomy 5, verse 33. says, if you'll walk in the way that the Lord your God is." has commanded you that you're going to prosper and you will prosper in all of the days that the Lord your God has given you in the land that you're called to, to possess there's a walking that we must do Second Corinthians 5 7 says for we walk by faith and not by sight there's, there's, a, there's a consistency in our progress in the kingdom that needs to be not only acknowledged but lived out. Every day you ought to walk right. Your steps ought to be ordered according to the will of God, as we find in Scripture on a regular basis, which means if you need to know what the next step is, then you probably need to read your Bible a little bit more, like every day. Get in your word. Let your walk be ordered by His, 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 His message, His, His dictates. Walk well. To make sure you don't turn left when you should go right. We're called to a new way of living. Let let 2020 be marked by your commitment to be the best believer, the best son and daughter of God, the best emissary of Christ you have ever been in your life. But not just on January 1st, on the 2nd, on the 3rd, on the 4th on november 11th every day loving him a little bit more than you did yesterday honoring him a little bit more worshiping more accurately a little bit more than you did yesterday church let this message mark your very happy new year let's pray